0: and perspectives a couple that survives. he's
2: kind of like an impetuous guy In in many ways that's great in some ways it's tough when you're married
0: what leads them back to each other communication conversation and a realistic outlook on the world we live in your hosts anthony and deirdre scaramucci this is mooch
1: and the missus
2: yo 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 it's the missus Coming the, in hot, the
1: missus, missus, missus. I'm
2: coming in hot today.
1: Looking particularly hot at oh, the nice. blue collar president. Oh, I thought you meant right night. now. Oh, you're looking very hot today too. The, I the look hairstyle the same. <laughs> looks exactly the same. I woke from last up and night. I look
2: the same. So
1: let me give everybody news flash: no shower this morning, no blowout this morning. No,
2: I showered. I just didn't get my hair wet.
1: All right. Well, you Duh. know what I'm saying. Okay. I'm, don't uh, make I'm people think that I don't from, shower. All right, well, just so you know, the men that listen to this podcast actually wash their hair every day.
2: Yeah, know men do. And by the
1: way, if you're not washing your hair every day like the guy that I rode the elevator with <laughs> yesterday, do me a favor please, go wash your hair, okay? I mean, hair gives off a smell after 3 yeah, days. He had
2: like a muppet sort of hairdo. Disgusting,
1: but welcome to Mooch and the Misses. This is podcast number 6, Tuesday, October 23rd, 2000. 2000- We're on the
2: Mooch uh blue-collar president uh book tour. I'm so tired, he's so tired.
1: But let me tell you something. The book came out. The book came out today. I want to thank people. If you bought the book, if you haven't bought the book, I'm disappointed in you. Please go out and buy the book immediately. <laughs> oh, I'm applying, you're already using guilt. I'm, I'm applying Marie Scaramucci style guilt. Mm-hmm. She's a jujitsu blue black collar blue collar expert on uh, jujitsu of belt. guilt. Black belt. You're all
2: about collars.
1: But let me let me tell you something. We had a great night last night. Uh, the book is uh, in the top had 100 a good night now on until Amazon.
2: Anthony whacked me in the face. In the cheekbone. Oh the, my God. Yeah. Okay. So
1: I have very boisterous Italian friends. <laughs> I'm holding my cell phone. I go to shake the guy's hand to say goodbye. He has to hug and kiss me like we're members of the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. He grabs <laughs> me, violently thrusts me. My cell phone whacks Deirdre in the cheekbone. So Deirdre's face is imbalanced today. She looks like she's got. Uh, I look like I have extra stroke.
2: filler on <laughs> one <laughs> Stro- side.
1: Oh, you got filler, baby? Are you making that announcement here on the. No, the, actually, on the, on the, no. I'm I'm just saying, like,
2: if if I had, All had right, but let to. me tell you
1: something. If Deirdre ever needed filler, she's getting filler. Okay, now <laughs> it works. So, so let's talk a little bit about the 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 book party. Did you have a good time at the book party?
2: I did. Why are you talking to me? You sound like you're talking to like one of our. Kids. No, but I'm just kids. Did you have you a good time thing. at the book party?
1: Oh, did you?
2: I definitely had a good time at the book party. I am so floored by how many people came out. That was super cool. It was nice. Yeah, we you? had a DJ. It was fun.
1: We have to have some
2: listeners come next time.
1: I give a big shout out to Samantha Darcy, whose uh, grandmother uh, or mom came up with the idea. Oh, she better not hear you say that. (laughs) Oh, I want to talk about Samantha Darcy's mom for one second, okay? This is my assistant. I grew up with her mother on Long Island. Her mother was like living in a Richie Rich style mansion. And of course, I was living in the blue collar area. And I I run into her at the Jones Beast Maroon 5 concert, you know, 30 years later. She goes, ah. I just thought you were like one of those townies. I didn't realize how big you were going to make it. Yeah, Why cut. It was like br- brutalizing. It was but. sort
2: of endearing. It was it was like a, a double edged sword, like but, a backhanded compliment.
1: But having said that, uh, she created these blue collars, and they had stitched in it the title, the blue collar president. So that was super nice. It's a nice bookmark of
2: her. for your book.
1: Um, I'm going to go to some of these listener tweets, babe. I'd like you to respond to some of them, mm-hmm. uh, Deirdre. What is your opinion on the blue collar president? Do you feel Joy Behar at a point yesterday about the president being far removed from reality because of his upbringing?
2: I definitely think he's far removed from reality. <laughs> 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 I okay. think basically he, the only way he's semi in touch, which is not very in touch, is if he perhaps strolled onto one of his work sites here and there.
1: So why I, do you think all these people I, like him then? He got <laughs> 62.9 million votes in the 2016 presidential election. Because George. he has
2: this thing about him where he seems like he is relatable even though he's not relatable and but he's you're not going to like this, but he also says things to appeal to them that are not Wonderful, You know, he tries to... Everything about him is like stirring up some sort of hate. So he says stuff that he knows will light them up. Like, you know, I don't even want to go there. But you know what I'm saying? No,
1: come on. This is what the... Baby, I'm trying to generate ratings here with the podcast. Go ahead.
2: No, like with Charlottesville, he should have outwardly made a statement and said something like super solid about how he was totally against all of that. And he kind of was like... Yeah, I'm gonna let that kind of just like blow over because I don't want to offend that part. Oh, well, of it. He, he's you know, a zero that's apologist. what he does. That's
1: one of the things about him. So,
2: well, what I'm saying is he's not really relatable, but he finds something that people uh, are into, and he plays it up like he's into it also. Whether that be by something he says or something he doesn't say,
1: M- and then M- they are like, Mika, "I love this Mika, guy." Mika Brzezinski, your sister is calling on line one. <laughs> Deirdre Brzezinski, <laughs> could you please pick up No, Mika? I
2: am totally not. Mika
1: Brzezinski? No,
2: I am not, I'm not angry about anything. I'm just realistic. I'm not
1: angry. Well, Mika was hitting me this morning about the president telling uh, fabrications, and do I think he tells fabrications? And so the answer is yes, I do think he tells fabrications, but you're missing the broader point. Uh, these people are very dissatisfied with the establishment, and they hired this a wrecking is not ball. not all about an election. Everything.
2: She's speaking about the in general... That that's not something you should do in general. She's not just relating it to the election or how you win re-election. She's talking about as a person and as a leader what you should be doing.
1: I got it. I got it. But here's the problem: the the establishment leadership over the last three decades. Right. Well, has they they let us fail. here.
2: Right. Well, they let it. They let they, they let, let these down people this.
1: down. These wages have declined. They were uh, they pre- elected officials. This is an indictment of both parties. Created malpractice on these trade deals. It was understandable to put the trade deals up and make them uneven after the end of the Second World War, but why why not right-size them as these other economies were approving to make it fair for the American worker?
2: I totally agree that, with that. That's all
1: special interest lobbying of all the I cucks totally in the swamp. I totally agree with that. And, you know, like people.
2: Obama was on this, you know, they were playing his, um, a tape from, I think he was in Las Vegas last night at a rally. And, and actually, sorry, this was from like way back when, uh, Trump was campaigning and he was saying how he was going to create all these jobs and Obama was saying oh yeah like how are you going to do that well there are ways to do it and he is doing it You know, you, it's some of this trade stuff, it's some of this tax stuff, it's bringing things back on shore, there are ways to do it so. we're going to
1: win so much you may even get tired of winning
2: right, But well, well, that was the first time I ever in hindsight was listening to something from the past and thought because at the time, I remember thinking, "Yeah, what, how is he going to do that?" Because he never explains himself right. or how he intends to do it. So I, I remember thinking, "Yeah, what the hell is he talking about? He's not going to be able to do that." But now he's kind of doing it. So that's the first time I ever really disagreed with Obama. So, on so, something.
1: so, so it's interesting. So I make the case here that as smart as President Obama is, and uh, I think he's obviously an incredibly smart guy, uh, some of this he's stuff not
2: is, as commercial though.
1: That's the thing. Right. And some of it about life experience. He was an academic. He was a constitutional <laughs> scholar. He's legally trained, he went on to become a public servant, and so, but he never really ran a payroll or started something from nothing or built a business and so he's not totally understanding the free market basis of these incentives yeah. that you can put in place to cause growth or, or 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 bring people's wages up. One thing the president doesn't get credit for is just by cutting the slack in the illegal. By cutting down the illegal immigration, he cut the slack in the labor markets. And so the African-American unemployment numbers, I don't know if you saw Reverend Darrell Scott, mm-hmm. the African-American preacher from Cleveland at our at our party mm-hmm. last night, or Kareem from down in uh, Atlanta, both were part of the African-American coalition for Trump. They were just pointing out that less illegal immigration well, opens gives up the more jobs. opportunity for current citizens. Right. And so president wants legal immigration I think it's very important to point this out when the Democrats are calling him a racist. If he was a full blown racist, okay, he would just, this just block all the regulations. Okay, so
2: who's? But this brings us to a good point. He then needs to tailor the way he speaks because people think he's a racist. He's ref, he's talking about this caravan, right? That's coming up from South America or Central America, mm-hmm. and he's saying. I implore you, go into the middle of the caravan and you'll see Middle Eastern and you'll see MS-13. What are you talking about? You'll see Middle Eastern. First of all, not every Middle Eastern person is a terrorist. Second of all, how does he know who's in the caravan? You know, and so he just sounds like a complete and total racist. Well,
1: he just, did, he just did one of those press events in the Oval Office where he was saying that he has meaningful information that some of these people are Middle Eastern. So, But who cares I, if they're Middle Do I you understand
2: like, what I'm saying? I do.
1: I don't like it. I think That's it's, like it's,
2: someone saying, oh, it's hey, go type. in the middle of that caravan and there's going to be white people. Does that mean, what, that we're white supremacists? Because I'm white, it doesn't mean I'm anything. Because they're Middle Eastern doesn't necessarily mean that they're... Yeah, Some, scare, someone it's, nefarious. It's,
1: it's a scare tactic, and it's a dog whistle. Yes, he keeps I, saying, I'm I, taking, I care, like of
2: Look at I'm that taking care of everyone. I'm taking care of everyone. Big Daddy Trump. The
1: lovely Mrs. Mooch taking side with the president on the economy, but smacking him up on racial profiling and racial dog whistles. Okay, yeah. let's go to a, another question. The View, Deirdre, hit on your tumultuous time with you Anthony. Read.
2: I love how you read. Well, Keep going. I don't,
1: I don't know how to read, right? <laughs> I mean, this is unbelievable. You're so this smart,
2: is, but you're like this is
1: like 35 minutes of buzz song. Okay, no. what my wife is pointing out when I was the host of Wall Street Week, I couldn't read the teleprompter. It took me like about two weeks to figure remember it out.
2: Remember when we
1: went? So- okay, there was that's a that's my sneeze. Okay, Aunt, remember when Neil, we went keep to it up, the? Uh, Neil, I'm going to knock you through next week. Neil,
2: we went. I don't know what I said. I don't remember. We just watched that meme before we came in here. Okay, remember we okay. went to the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library and. They had that fake teleprompter, and, and we were trying to do it. It was like a week before Wall Street Week launched, and you were yeah. like, oh, God, this is going to suck. <laughs>
1: this, yeah. this
2: show is going to suck. I can't even read off this fake teleprompter. I couldn't read, re- I couldn't read the I'm
1: Mr. Extemporaneous. I have a hard time reading the prompt. No, but, but you
2: are awesome extemporaneously. I, uh, nobody, I could never go without notes. I'd be like, oh, yeah. But I
1: mean, you know, the brain chemistry set come up now, certain way. What can I tell you? Well, let me try to read this. Okay. This is from a listener Let's tweet. See. Deirdre, the view hit on your tumultuous time when Anthony was the communications director what have you learned as a couple since then and what do you do differently to make your relationship work despite opposite political views and ambitions?
2: This is what I have to say. It's a general blanket statement. Life is not all about politics. And before I was with Anthony, I never thought about politics. Honestly, honest to God. I woke up and I went about my day and I of course I wasn't you know, watched the news, read the newspaper, but it wasn't something on my mind. 24 7 so as it relates to my relationships when I look at Anthony I don't think I don't see like red he's not looking at me like and seeing blue you know it's not oh, like you got
1: pretty blue eyes Open. that was really
2: sweet I just thought like, throw that in well there. thanks They've, they need some visine today but yeah there's no doubt <laughs> okay. um, but so our relationship is separate from the politics it's more of an, an actual like this person said a, an ambition thing it's it his goals are to be involved in politics. So that's more of something that I have to tackle because obviously we don't share the same politics. So as it relates to our marriage, I try to keep it out of it. If it comes down to where it's a decision about a job or something, we'll obviously have to talk about it. But we talk about other things. We do. We have, we have a life outside of politics. That's what, I, that's what people need to have. They need to separate life from politics there's more yeah, to I think
1: it it's a, i think it's good commentary and i think that's the reason why we're able to get along so well so let me ask you this uh, uh deirdre anthony did an interpretive dance of his 11 days in the white house for the new york post it was a three minute video what did you think of that video and do you think anthony's reputation can survive the interpretive dance
2: it was all. Of course, that's a made-up question. No. You know, I
1: just threw that question in. There. That was from my own mind. I just wanted to hear what my wife thinks about the no. It was funny. I dance. loved
2: it. I was there on set. I wanted to jump in with you.
1: You, you loved it. Was I, I dancing with gypping. a white overbite? Was I dancing with a white overbite?
2: Yes, and I I think we're jipping the population of the misses sometimes because I I'm a I'm a little funnier than you and a little more charismatic than you in some ways.
1: Do you have like a burn thing that you can put on, like crackling flames. fire, flames, or like you know, I, I'm falling. I'm falling like the way in the Dr. Evil chair back, you know, 15 years ago? No,
2: so in that, when you did the interpretive dance, they did this thing where they said to him, okay, don't, just react, just answer the question, and they would say, like, Taylor Swift or Katy Perry or whatever, you know, they gave him all these pop culture names, and he was like, uh, uh, yep, our theme song. Oh, my God. (laughs) My ringtone, when you call. No, so he was like, so bad at it that they didn't even include that in the video. Did you realize that?
1: I realized they didn't include it because they were basically <laughs> looking at me and said I didn't know anything about the cultural zeitgeist. Like, guess. Dud. And they were also every time you every time they said something to me, you responded. Their head snapped over to you, I'm like okay, at least she That's knows what's what I'm going. saying. They're jipping at themselves out
2: of the misses. If they were going to ask you about history, you would have been all over that.
1: All right. right, expose the fact that I'm a nerd on Mooches and the Misses, episode six. All right. So 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 go to go to the go to the uh, wait di- i want
2: to talk about we talked yeah. kind of about i we always i always cut you off i'm sorry we kind of talked about your documentary last week but since we're talking about your book and it's all about you let's talk about your documentary so that w- was tough for me to watch tough for you to watch mm-hmm. but very cool and i think it came out on iTunes today. Do you have a clip from the Do documentary? Clip?
1: Do we have a clip? Let's play a clip. What I'm saying is, is that I can touch the pulse of those people because I live with those people. I still live two miles from my parents. And of my 60 cousins, okay, of uh, the 10 people that my grandparents created and the people they married and the 60 cousins, two of us went to college. It's me and my brother. So the 58 other people that are contemporaries of mine that have my DNA are in Autoglass. They're in Autobody. They're in pizzerias. I mean, they're all <laughs> named Anthony because he's my grandfather. We go to Christmas Eve. We go to Christmas Eve. It's it's Anthony Autoglass. It's Anthony Pizzeria. I happen to be Anthony Edgefond. Donald Trump is a New Yorker. So what does he have embedded in his New York DNA? Something that I fully appreciate. He's brash. He's outspoken. Other New Yorkers no, get New Yorkers, clip. right? So when he's saying cuckoo things that are cuckoo to people that are unorthodox in the political system, as a New Yorker, I'm laughing. Okay, I'm saying, okay, this guy's a New Yorker. He's, yeah, I get the joke with Donald Trump.
2: Okay. Okay. Right. Interesting I mean, listen, choice. I mean, look,
1: I mean, a, a little bit of f-bombing in there. I mean, my mother's like, "Why are you cursing so much?" I'm like, "Ma, where do you think I learned it from?" I mean, I mean, what's going on? Here you really? learn where you live, pe- Marie. Pe- people, people are in living on the river of denial. I mean, <laughs> my mother and father were cursing like sailors. I didn't think I learned how to curse, but it's fine. I mean, listen. I mean, I thought the, the documentary was very accurate. It was super painful to watch because I made a lot of mistakes in the White House. Uh, But it also talked about the struggle of being an entrepreneur and trying to figure out a way to get to where we are in terms of our economic station coming from where we came from. So I think it's pretty interesting. I want to go back to a listener tweet because I think this is important to address. This is from Elizabeth B. Obviously, she's uh, part of the uh, armed services. I watched you on the Fox News. Eliza B. Eliza B. I watched you on the Fox News channel this morning while you appear to be a likable guy. Your comments regarding General Kelly were outrageous. Truth is, General Kelly is a man of honor and character. He's a man who has achieved more by the age of 21 than you will ever hope to achieve in your entire lifetime. And so I just want to respond to you, and I want to respond to you very respectfully. I pointed out on the Fox News channel, and every time I talk about General Kelly, that I respect his service I respect the fact that he spent 40 years in the Marine Corps, but it does not give him a license to act the way he's acting inside the White House. I, I also am pointing out that applying that sort of militancy and that militant-like style uh, is not going to work in a civilian organization. And that's just me being honest and giving an honest characterization. So I do appreciate the fact that. Uh, and like Megan McCain came at me yesterday, uh, that there's a tremendous amount of respect for our leadership in the military, and there should be. And of course, I respect these people. I've been on one, more than one troop support mission. Deirdre can tell you that I've been to Iraq and Afghanistan during our relationship, uh, and I'm happy to support the troops. But I don't think that being in the armed services gives you a license to act in a way that isn't fair to other people, and so I just like to point that out. So you can disagree with me. That's what makes makes it a fun podcast, and that's what makes the political system so fun for me. Anything you want to say? No. Nothing. No. All right.
0: You you've covered it. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: Let's talk about the LGBTQ policy that Trump is tossing around, changing, Mm -hmm. revoking. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Um, What do you think about this? So basically, they're floating this. Uh, I think one of the reasons why they're floating this, they're trying to get a reaction from people, and they're trying to test the politics around it as it relates to the uh, social zeitgeist. Another reason why they're floating this is that they're really trying to figure out ways to galvanize their base and to get their base to turn out uh, to the election, which is in 14 short days. And so the evangelical community likes this sort of nonsense, and so they're hoping that by floating this, the evangelicals will run out and say, okay, that'll be really good. You repeal that transgender Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. I personally don't like it. I think that we've moved uh, and made great progress. Um, And I'll I'll remind you of this story, which I think you know. I was walking with Prime Minister Tony Blair after he had spoken at our SALT conference in Singapore, and he turned to me and he said, Anthony, I have often said, why are the best economic policies— married to the worst social policies. Mm,
2: that's what I say every week right? every day to And why are, the, why are you. the
1: best social policies married to the worst economic policies? And so for the life of me, I cannot figure this out, but I think most people are in the middle. They want the country to do well. They want a robust economy. They want rising living standards, but they really do want people who love each other to have some level of equality. And so one thing that Deirdre and I agree on very strongly Is marriage equality. Mm -hmm. We absolutely have been champions of human rights. We poured our own personal money in the support of the Gay Marriage Initiative and to help the gay marriage initiative not only here in new york which we did seven eight or nine years ago but also the prop eight thing that went before the supreme court you remember going to that documentary of course, that was yeah. a lot of fun right
2: like anthony says why should only heteros be miserable
1: <laughs> oh right shout on the marriage
2: <laughs> no you're the one that Dude, you says have, it like
1: battleship cannons going off at some point in this No, like, podcast. you are I mean, the one people...
2: that always says no that. i always say
1: hey why 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 would you let the heteros <laughs> be the only ones suffering in the marriage? get in the pool with the rest of us okay exactly
2: well, we actually we got a listener tweet about this okay. and this kind of this hits home. We have kids and I I always try to put myself in a place where if it was our children and one of them identified as something other than what they were born into the gender that they were born into or as how we would handle it and I would like to think that we would be sympathetic, empathetic, compassionate and this tweet kind of resonated with me. So this is from Scotty D. He says Do Trump's anti-LGBT policies bother you at all? Yes, they do. I'm a gay American. What I'm seeing out of the White House as far as LGBT discrimination is scary. I also don't want to lose the right to marry the person that I love via Trump's, uh, I think it's supposed to say, picking of, of SCOTUS. So... They've got all these people running scared about their personal lives. Yeah,
1: and I think I think I I think the SCOTA stuff for me, and I've said this publicly, I think it's uh it's understandable why people are fearful, but I do think it's unwarranted. I think the political institution of the Supreme Court, uh again the polling on this stuff is seventy seven twenty three. And I think the Supreme Court's not gonna touch those things. But I do think but like that, you
2: said, they float that was a good term to use. Yeah. They float these things and they galvanize their base. Right, but they put them out Politics there into the is universe. Politics a nasty and business, honey. I, peop- I learned that the hard way. People believe it could happen. And they, and they stay awake at night thinking uh, about I, these things. I, I know.
1: And that's why I'm trying to explain it. You know, one of the imagine, that-
2: you, ma- imagine that we were in a world where I could not marry you because Donald mm-hmm. Trump said I couldn't marry you. Is that fair?
1: I think it's a disaster. I will point out that uh, President Trump appointed the highest – level ambassador, gay ambassador in U.S. Oh, history. Oh, Richard Grinnell. Yeah, Richard Grinnell. Mm-hmm. You and I both know him. He's the ambassador of Germany now. He's doing a very good job. And so I want more of that and I want more of the Donald Trump when he was asked about Caitlyn Jenner. What well, ba- Caitlyn
2: Jenner is like flipped out now by him.
1: Yeah, no. He, she's he, like she, she's, appalled. She's, she's mad at him now, but what Trump said about her during the election was what bathroom is she going to pee in at Trump Tower? He says, I could care less. I would like to get to the society where people care less about this stuff, and they're not using it as a political dog whistle or, right, or, 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 or a prop. Right, but he's doing that so right now for like
2: the that. midterm okay. elections. He's doing know, everything that, that he said he doesn't like.
1: I'm I'm glad we're po- pointing it out I'm mooching the Misses. What do you think of the $1.6 billion lottery?
2: <laughs> so what do I think about that? Mm-hmm. So my think? I grew up in a household, obviously, speaking of blue-collar, super blue-collar. And my parents and my grandparents and all of my great aunts and uncles, they all bought lotto. Mm-hmm. They all played lotto. So I remember Did- like once or twice a week, I used to go to the these delis or go to these like convenience stores and it was before they had the quick pick technology. Mm-hmm. So they'd be filling out like scantrons with a pencil, right? picking their favorite numbers. right? And it was a ritual in our yeah. house and they'd win $5 here, $5 my aunt Sylvia The biggest guinea on planet Earth. She was the luckiest person. She always went to Atlantic City. She always won. She always won lotto here and there all over the place. Like she won like five thousand dollars once from the New York State Lotto. And I thought it was like the (laughs) the best thing ever. It was crazy. Do you but
1: Do you think she put more into it than she got out of it? Or do you think she got more out of it than she put into it? Over
2: time? I don't know. She probably broke even. Only her. Everybody else was in a
1: deficit. But Sylvia Catron broke even.
2: I, it's so crazy. I I personally have not played Lotto once in my life. Why? Because I feel like I'm just giving away my five dollars. like Thank God. Let's
1: reemphasize that you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning, okay, in your ear canal. Forget yeah, but, about like, so your entire on body. That I'm that paranoid. About the lightning going into your ear that's canal. That's
2: why I wouldn't want to win the Lotto because I feel like I would wake up the next day and they'd be and I'd like get hit by a bus or something. You know what I'm saying?
1: Okay. How does the, the two how do you cuz compl- if you you're if you, you have that
2: if you're going to have those odds to win it you got some odds that something else messed up is probably going to happen to you
1: but <laughs> oh so you're saying that this is karmic luck yes yeah, it's like, it's like oh yeah you're going to win you, 1.6, you 1.6 billion yeah. you're going
2: to get hit by the MTA bus on 5th avenue you know okay, what I now mean?
1: i know that half the population listening to this podcast actually got that the other half the population is like me where we're <laughs> tolerating it with great amusement and we're moving on to the next question
2: oh okay <laughs> i'm kidding all I'm right
1: kidding. saudi journalist yes khashoggi brutally murdered obviously by the saudis let's not mince words It probably didn't think they were going to get caught honey so so what do you make of all this what well do how you, do you not do you... get
2: caught with this technology?
1: That's exactly right. See, we are now in the age of full transparency. We talked about this in the last podcast. I have a television receiver, a motion picture studio, a radio station in my hand right now. And how it's are called you called an iPhone? And how are you not going to get caught? And mm-hmm. so these guys get caught. They can't cover it up. They try to cover it up. And yet, Secretary Steven Mnuchin, somebody we both know personally, mm-hmm. I consider Steven a good friend. We worked together. Did you
2: together. see that shirt he was wearing today? I did. The heck was that? Yeah,
1: that was uh, that was a little bonkers, I thought. Your sty- uh, Steven Mnuchin, call your stylist. It's not working for wow, you in Saudi good. Arabia. But but there he is. He's in Saudi Arabia. So he doesn't go to the conference, but he still feels the need to go to Saudi Arabia. So let's Because just-
2: more of Trump's lies when he's saying i don't feel like blowing up a 150 million dollar deal i don't it's not a 150 million dollar deal i don't want to lose xyz i understand how we're tied into them and we're definitely not independent from them in terms of oil and uh, energy but this is like a big deal the guy walked into a consulate he got chopped up into pieces it was like a scene out of that movie okay, red so sparrow
1: so let me set the scene for Just you. In I'm in a ge- different country. You're, you're President Deirdre Scaramucci. You're the 46th President. I'm your National Security Advisor. Let me set the scene for you. Madam President... Uh, the uh, the Saudis brutally murdered a Saudi dissident, a resident of the United States, but a citizen of Saudi. Mm-hmm. They entrapped him in their consulate, chopped him up, and they, they had a body double leave with his clothing It was like
2: on. a full-on plan. So it's a
1: full-on Red Sparrow, a screenplay written by somebody from Hollywood. Right. They get caught and busted. You're the president. We've got a $115 billion arms deal with them. They own $790 billion of our treasuries. They control, that royal family controls 25% of the world's oil reserves. We've had an 85-year alliance with them, uh, where uh, started by Franklin Roosevelt, where they are denominating oil in U.S. dollars, which effectively helps us become the global reserve currency, which means now every bank in the world has to own our currency, which gives us great latitude in our monetary policy. What would you like to do here? This what is kind when of punishment you do you like, want to impose? You
2: want to say to the crown prince, you want to say like, come on, man. Like, why did you have to go and do that? You know what I mean? Because he ruined it for everybody. Because that all oh, of those things you just okay. mentioned.
1: Madam President, I love all that about you. And obviously you're you're doing a great job with your blue <laughs> eyes and your blue policies. But what are we doing here? Tell me what we're doing.
2: No, it's a,
1: the the murders it's planned. A, the murders brutal. Uh, we have intercepts and information. Well, you tell that me what is.
2: would happen if you don't go. What happens if you don't go?
1: Well, let's you know let's let's talk about. Let's what talk the about what happens if you don't go. Right, well, let's say that we go. But what what should the punishments be?
2: I feel like we have to figure out. Are you sweating?
1: A little bit. I'm hot.
2: Yeah. Why? I don't know. You're drinking iced coffee. I'm drinking iced coffee. He's a having hot. a male hot flash or I'm
1: something. I'm having a ma- manopause flash <laughs> right now. <Okay>. A
2: menopause. <laughs> right. I've never heard that term. That's funny.
1: Let me adjust my man's ear while we're <laughs> here in the studio. Right, but okay. <laughs> what are you going to do?
2: I just asked you five times. What what would be okay, the so consequences? The if advisor. Steve Mnuchin not... doesn't go there,
1: what are All the right. consequences? I, well, I'm going to present, M- Madam President, I'm going to present you with a couple of decisions. Okay, Number one, you can... Uh, uh, denounce them. Number two, you can denounce them and put some sanctions on, or number three, you could ignore it and leave everything business as usual. What do you want to do?
2: Well, I don't think you can ignore it and leave business as as usual. I think you have to address it.
1: Okay. So In a way that's good it?
2: for our country, helpful for our country, that doesn't condone their behavior.
1: So good. Know? So what do you want to do?
2: I don't know. That's why I'm not the president. I'm just saying, I don't think you can just go on like business as usual. I think you have to take a pause.
1: Okay. So listen, I I agree with you. And the president is announcing as we're speaking on this podcast, some sanctions. We mm-hmm. don't need to go into it with everybody, but they are mild. Well, that's good. They mild are sanctions. Mild sanctions. Um, and so the truth of the matter is, is that there's always going to be a level of hypocrisy between the morality of a situation and the economic and geopolitical practicality of a situation. And so hopefully we can continue to help the Saudis reform and we can hopefully push the Saudis forward into modernity. But boy, that killing is right out of the 12th century. It's and not it's, a, good. it's very, very distasteful. So,
2: it's like Game of Thrones.
1: Okay, so let's let's move on. But I, <laughs> okay. I'm glad that we brought <laughs> that up. That makes up me very sad. About how <laughs> complex... The society It is, is very a
2: complex. Place. That's why I, I never say that I would do some, a better job because I it's I, I could never do a better job. It's the, one of the hardest jobs on planet Earth. I think we just need to really think about things before we make decisions. I feel like sometimes we rush you, things too you much. Re-
1: do you remember when you met President Bush at the SALT conference? Do you remember some of the remarks of his speech where he said— there's nothing in his life that could have prepared oh, him yeah, for the presidency? Yeah. Remember? Mm-hmm. What did he say? Yeah. sure sure. with everybody. No.
2: He said the first day when he walked in, got the, the security briefing on his desk, he needed a diaper.
1: That's exactly what he said. The first thing he said and when his
2: he got, life, your life is never the same. Oh, the,
1: the first thing he said when he got on stage, he said, you know, listen, the reason I'm here, Anthony invited me, but the second reason is I wrote a book and- uh, some of you, I'm looking out there. That you, you don't think I can read. Thought so that was a great line, right? Everyone laugh, right? <laughs> no, you
2: know what it, when it, you know what it made me think of. You know the day or like the time in your life when you're starting to transition out of your childhood and you start realizing that your parents are just also humans that are they don't really know what they're doing they're just trying to pretend that they do yeah
1: they're just overgrown children right
2: i feel like when you get to the presidency and you read that briefing it's that same kind of feeling like oh god like i'm not safe at all right Right. a bunch of idiots are running the wall right (laughs) Right. i mean
1: so so i had when when was the day in your life when you realized i thought my parents had all the answers they were superman and superwoman and they were guiding me and they're giving me this protective bubble and then I realized, okay, oh my God, they're just overgrown versions of me. This is pretty and horrifying. And they have
2: absolutely no idea so what, what they're doing. So, what day
1: I can remember the day for me?
2: I think I was about 17 or 18. 17. I started realizing it, yeah.
1: 17, okay. So but I, in my
2: 20s, I realized, you know, it was every man for himself.
1: Right. So, there was some level of more vulnerability and awareness, right? Oh, yeah. Any comfort in that or just vulnerability and awareness?
2: How could you find comfort in realizing that nobody could save you? No comfort whatsoever. So
1: Nick Scaramucci right now, the four-year-old, thinks that Deirdre Scaramucci is literally starring in Wonder Woman 2 (laughs) with the golden bracelets and the lasso (laughs) and the invisible plane. So does
2: Nick Scaramucci. I mean, James Scaramucci. James Scaramucci,
1: Scaramucci. forget about it. James Scaramucci's holding on for dear life. That's mommy, and everything is good. But I was 18 years old. I was a freshman in college. I came home for Thanksgiving, and for some reason, I had this rude awakening Mm -hmm. that, oh, my God, they are just overgrown versions of me. (laughs) They don't know anything. Okay, so that's what happens in the presidency. So what you realize is these are super complex problems. Uh, We have very smart people that hopefully can work these things out, uh, but it's not easy. Let's go to this caravan. you know
2: what? Hold on. Somebody asked me a question. I should have done it before, and I made a mistake, but I promised her- and I don't want to disappoint our listeners. So I always wonder how you pronounce this, but her her handle is Mia Malanga, I think. So she said, okay, D, meaning me, here's my query. What would you do if you won the Mega Millions tonight? Would you and Mooch ever work again? I think not. And that's, no, we would work. We would always work. We cannot stay home. Neither one of us can stay home. So I think we would find a lot of good things to do with that money. I think we would share it with a lot of people. Well, was, and we would totally work to the day we dropped dead.
1: I was—I don't know if you heard what I said on the radio earlier. We would Somebody's, just be a little
2: less stressed,
1: probably. So, so, somebody said to me, "What would you do if you won the money?" I said, "I would—I would donate it to world peace." And the only reason why I'm saying that because I know I'm not going to win the money. <laughs> That's the only why I said <laughs> That's that. like when people ask him, bad? "Does he
2: want to go back to the White House?" And he says, he caveats by saying, "Well, I don't think they'll ever ask
1: me." Well, who would ever ask me after they? L- I'm just appraisal saying, it's just like and, you know, in a very accurate, honest book, and. You know these people don't like the truth in Washington. You know, I I I shared a story last night where after my press conference, I got a call from an opposition research person from the Republican Party, who said you're dead. I said I'm dead. It was only day one. Who knew I had only ten days left to go? But they were like you're dead. I said I'm dead. Why am I dead? You, you told the truth from the press box. You're not allowed to do that. This mm-hmm. is Washington.
2: True that. True that. Don't you so that. that
1: that's long gone, long over. But. But winning the lottery, I don't think changes anything. In fact, I would tell every listener out there, try to find a job if you can. Try to pick a job where it's not work for you. Yeah, it makes you feel the, good. I think that's the big thing. You got to try to do that. And by the way, it took a long time for me to get in that position. There was a lot of scrapes and bumps along the way. One of the other big things I would tell people, uh, if you're on the radio or you're giving a public speech, this is Mooch
2: ev- as your therapist.
1: Everybody has a level of self consciousness. Everybody has a level of awkwardness, and so you have to fight through that as well. Mm-hmm. And by the way, look how Just much better. Just uh, watch Fox Five last
2: week. Nick, uh, Anthony was sweating through the f- through the interview, and I was like, "Babe, what's up with that?" He's like. I don't know. I was so nervous. It was, all it was was a good I, day in New I, York I,
1: I, I, was Rosanna Scotto, I who's was his good friend. I was nervous because they were talking about my documentary. I hadn't seen the damn thing. And I was like, oh, my God, this could be a train wreck disaster, mm. okay, because who knows, you know, in our politicized society how these guys are going to treat me. But they they treated me fairly. By the way, where can pe- people can
2: get your documentary on uh, Down, iTunes? It's
1: downloadable. It's not my documentary. Nothing's coming. Well, to me, I but mean but about it, but it, you, but it's uh, downloadable on Amazon, uh, downloadable on iTunes, and uh, it's uh, it, it, it's available today. It's a right. hundred and it's actually uh, uh, what was I going to say? It's one hour and twenty three minutes, and it's uh, it's it's accurate. It's honest.
2: So, what should we do tonight? Watch. People should go home and watch the Mooch documentary or the first game of the World Series.
1: Watch the first game of the World Series or Red Sox in five. What's your prediction?
2: Red Sox in five. Red Sox and five. But play, I do play want like the Dodgers to win because I'm a Yankee fan, and you know you know how we feel about Red Sox. Yeah, the enemy of my
1: enemy is my friend. Right. Before we wrap this up, can I ask a few questions about the caravan? We got a yes, caravan. Yes, like the minivan, like, yeah, yeah. or so the actual a, caravan. Is that a George Soros sponsored caravan embedded with Middle East terrorists, <laughs> oh, or is it just people that are trying to seek asylum because they got a disaster you, okay, going on? Okay, let me in ask America. you this:
2: We have these young children. Would you ever drag them across all of those miles in that heat because George Soros is going to give you what five cents? I mean, that's ludicrous.
1: This is why you got the misses on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. See that? That's insight. That's common sense.
2: But it's very strange to sit here and think that there's a drove of people marching up to our point, border right be, now.
1: You should be playing the Donald Trump. I don't
2: know. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was funny. That was a good imitation. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh, I don't remember.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. So there's 10,000 migrants from Honduras, that's Guatemala, cra- and El can Salvador. You, can you
2: picture them right now? I just like I feel like... Can they're making oh God, their this. way? Oh God, Poga! Oh <laughs> oh they're making their way up here to our border right now. What are we gonna do? And what are we gonna do? I feel terrible for these moms. I I'm watching videos of kids with heat exhaustion, and they're sleeping on the floor, and they're they're tiny and innocent. This, this is terrible. This is
1: the problem of being a public servant. You have to make very very hard decisions, very very tough decisions, and uh, I think you have to just remember we have to be very very careful. <laughs> Uh, every country that has a border, obviously, they protect their border. This country has been lax over the last fifteen years, and it's had some bad side effects for the country.
2: It has. I do get the whole. I do get the but whole let's border end, thing. Let's, end, let's end, end, end on, on something
1: the, fun, fun. What? Okay? we Talk about polka for one second. No, and, no.
2: Kind of want to poke
1: you. No, no, no. I mean, I, I actually think that <laughs> the president's only calling her po now <laughs> after the DNA test. Okay, he's not giving her the full polka. I want the syllables. Yeah. Well. Or say something, What about it? Say I don't know let's just end on quality. a fun note. So say we're gonna go we're
2: going to do some more um T V and radio with the Mooch later. So check us out.
1: Check out Us magazine tomorrow. There's a beautiful spread of Deirdre oh, Scaramouche.
2: Yes, um,
1: she she's not called? happy with Airbrush. it. I Airbrush.
2: Mean, I don't look good in that. Just, just if you if but you're listening
1: tonight, could you please let me know which do you think is Vayner, the mooch or the missus?
2: Which were people? You no. Know,
1: Okay, which, which person is vain? Definitely not me. Not you. I'm the vainest of the two of us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I think I'm the vainer of the two of us. And just More remember, veins. ladies and gentlemen, before we exit, bad English. Vain rhymes with pain. So when that <laughs> Botox needle's going in, it hurts like a bitch. Okay. <laughs> with that, we'll see you next week.
2: Wait. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram. You can find basically all of our stuff at Scaramucci. Deirdre Deirdre Scaramucci, Scaramucci now verified
1: on Twitter. Look at that. Yep. And since Deirdre Scaramucci is not shadow banned, she actually has some reasonable engagement. (laughs) Unlike Anthony Scaramucci with 900,000 Twitter followers, and my stuff doesn't even show up on your message. Anyway, keep in
2: touch with us during the week, and we'll see you next Tuesday. We're going to be broadcasting this podcast. We're doing our thing from LA. So that should be fun. We'll be in good mood with some vitamin D.
1: Amen. See you next Tuesday. God bless.